11-year MLS pro Quincy Marroquois here, and you're now listening to The Perfect Soccer Podcast, where your host goes one-on-one to get to know your favorite professional soccer players, both on and off the pitch. Because how better to learn what it takes to become a pro soccer player other than directly from pro soccer players? Today's episode is brought to you by PerfectSoccerSkills.com, the number one and only platform you'll ever need to connect with and learn from pro soccer players. Learn more and enter to win weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to PerfectSoccerSkills.com slash PSTM to enter to win for free today. With that said, please enjoy today's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Perfect Soccer Podcast. Our special guest today is Chicago Fire, CJ Sapong. CJ, how's it going? Life is good. Uh, I woke up today, so I'm feeling pretty good. Less than highly favored. How you doing? Yeah, feel you on that one. I uh, appreciate you coming on. Let's just jump right back in time a little bit. Uh, how'd you get started playing soccer? So I played a lot of sports growing up. My family is from... Ghana, so soccer was the sport that they connected with the most, and you know they essentially provided a support system for me at a, a young age with soccer. And, you know the passion and that family spirit is what led me to playing, and you know <laughs> played for about ten to fifteen years before going to college on a scholarship. Got drafted into the MSL and been playing in MLS for now. 10, I'm going into my 10th season. Yeah, it's, that's crazy because you're only 30, right? 31. 31? 31, yeah. And uh, out of high school, what was, uh, what was your recruiting process like? High school to college was interesting. I mean, it's very similar to the process of going pro where, you know, coaches are contacting you, you know, one to two years before you're even graduating, um, essentially expressing interest in you and willing to give you a compensation in a sense, you know, to get an education and play soccer. So it's, it's pretty cutthroat, man. It's when you get thrusted into that at an early age, obviously, you know, I'm like, age you're 16 17 18 you're definitely not a full-grown adult you know adults end up kind of running the whole uh, process anyway so you don't learn much and then i think you know later in life whether those kids go pro or you know they're trying to be successful in their in their own path it, it becomes hard because you know they haven't had that freedom that sovereignty to kind of you know recognize their worth and you know get their due their due value yeah even like college i felt like it was kind of not real life yeah it's not it's not man <laughs> and now college, college football players about to get start getting paid now like we're really distorting the whole imagery of this system that has been in place for a while and now there's just you know everything is just kind of haphazard like, well, what is an education really like? Mm-hmm. Why are, you know, when you obviously you can go in that and talk the days, but it's interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even think you really. I think it will still be in existence, but I just think less people are going to start going to college in general, not just athletes. Oh yeah, not even just athletes, but these YouTube uh, kids, <laughs> and stuff. You know, like I mean, you can learn so much on YouTube anyway. You know, yeah. everything is a tool. It's, it's there's in the age of information, everything is either a tool or a weapon. It's just how you utilize it. You know, there's kids that there's six year old kids. Got thirty million dollars in the bank right now just from mm-hmm. testing toys. No. You know, like <laughs> yeah, the, wild time they're living in. Yeah, that's the yeah the number. I don't even know what the kid's name is, but I know he was the top earner for like the past two years on YouTube, just yeah. uh, unreal yeah. un- unveiling toys, unbelievable. Yeah, and it's actually funny too because I was I interviewed a nineteen year old that didn't go to college because now he's doing like all the social media stuff and basketball pages. And uh, we talked about the same thing about going to college. And he was, and I'm 27, so I'm kind of we're kind of close in age, me and you. But um, and he was like, well, yeah, I want to go to college now. But like he was like, when if it was 2010 when I was going to college, he was like, I probably would have went to college. And that's how it's like crazy mm. that it changed yeah. kind of so fast. Very fast in the grand scheme of things, man. Very fast. When you look at the generations, like our. You know, we're around the same age, but like our parents and their parents, shoot, from from their parents to us, and then even to these new age kids now, man, we're talking rapid development and growth, like unseen ever in history type shit. You know, <laughs> obviously we can't recognize it right now because we're in it, but in hindsight, it's probably one of the most pivotal moments in like Earth's history. Yeah, like yeah, I think but. I think all these kids are going to be like way smarter than us because they dealt with computers and tablets and laptops and phones and everything since they're probably like yeah, five man. years old. <laughs> it's already, yeah, it's already there. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Already there. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, anyways, going back to your MLS career, or actually going back to James Madison, what what was your experience like there? Um, not real life, like you said earlier. <laughs> you know, like. As a college student, I wanted to enjoy college, but I also pretty much had a job, you know, however way you put it, you slice it. But then I also had to go to school. So balancing that, it took me a couple, it took me maybe like two years to like find the right balance. Um, but I definitely had a good time the whole time. <laughs> um, I, I I had very valuable experiences. Wasn't necessarily straight from the, hard information that was just being thrusted, you know, down my throat, but more so the experience of just living on your own. Um, my classes with like that involved actual thinking, you know, ethical issues and stuff like that. I, I really got a lot out of those uh, moments and it definitely did help me going into being a pro. I'm glad I, I'm, I am glad that I had that college experience before going pro. Yeah, what um, what was the moment when you were in college that you knew you could go pro? Um, after my sophomore year, I did a summer in Reading, Pennsylvania, and I played with their PDL team. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's a league anymore, but um, and that league was basically the feeder into the USL, which was just beginning to really become the feeder into MLS. So, you know, scouts were at these games. 
looking for the next talent. And literally, I just got, I pretty much ended up playing on a really good team, right? It's all timing, man. Mm-hmm. I ended up playing on a really good team, and we went to, like, the Final Four of the uh, PDL Championship that year, and all the scouts were out there. So as soon as that happened, I just started, I was getting hit up, you know, left and right for my throughout my junior season, and then definitely, like, my senior season, I was kind of, knew I was going to go for I didn't know where. And then, yeah, going out of college, um, what was what was your draft day experience like? I know you got drafted 10th overall in 2011. Yep. So I I was, shoot, I was in class. Like, I went to a couple classes at the beginning of that semester and um, drove to Baltimore, met my fam, went in there, kind of crazy. I don't even think they had the draft this year, but I mean, that was, you know, you have fans that traveled from, like, the cities that were close to the, the draft, Baltimore. So you have D.C., you had New York, mm-hmm. NYCFC. So it was kind of, like, lit in there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, got to be with my mom. Like, my mom did that whole thing, you know. Uh, hugged Don Garber old big fella and then you know the rest it's continuing history i guess did you know um like sporting kansas city was drafting you no i did not i uh it was yeah you know beforehand you hear so many things i was originally supposed i I, apparently i was supposed to go number two and then something happened last minute i don't even know but i know we got picked 10th and all of it was still way earlier than I thought I would get picked anyway. So I was, I was cool. Gotcha. And then what was it, what was it like um, your rookie season and then just moving to Kansas, which is in the Midwest? Well, you know, I had a misconception about it. I just envisioned tumbleweeds and <laughs> big flat open space, you know, and, Got into the city, and Kansas City is low-key, a pretty dope city. Um, it's small for sure, but it's got a great vibe. The people are, are really amazing. You know, like, I my first three weeks, the fans, the supporter section, the cauldron, took me out to, like, all the famous barbecue spots. Like I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah, they took me to all the spots, man. Like, paid. Good, good by there. Just like you know, helping me get to know the city. Really dope. So, so the barbecue lived up to the expectations. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's really good. You, you're gonna need a fat nap after though, but <laughs> it, it's it's good. It's real good. Enjoy learning what it takes to become a better player from professional soccer players. Well, how would you like to work with professional players one-on-one? Now you can with B-Pro by Perfect Soccer. Head over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash B-E-P-R-O to apply to work with our network of pro players today. And what, what did it mean to you to win the Rookie of the Year? You know, it was really cool. I remember at that time in my you know career, obviously, being my first year, I just had a lot of fun that season. I felt welcomed. Kansas City was a soccer town, so, like, you know, there was a buzz in the city about us. Yeah, and obviously getting any 
personal accolades, you know, it was pretty good. I wish I enjoyed it a little bit more because at that time, I remember like, oh, I only had, I think it was like 11 like goals in all competitions, but only like five regular, regular season. And, you know, you find these mental constructs that sometimes rob, you know, certain moments of the full joy, you know. But looking back on it, I'm, I know I was humbled and, and proud to have gotten that achievement. Yeah, and then um, and two, two years later, you won the, the MLS Cup. So what, what was that like? Yeah, so we won Open Cup 2012 and won MLS Cup 2013. And ironically, that's kind of the time moment that I really started, I guess, assessing who I was as a person, <laughs> you know, not to make it sound so deep, but pretty much because in three seasons, you know, I got, you know, personal accolades, championships, and like, I remember an older guy on the team, Davey Arnaud, when we won, or he, we won Open Cup. He, he left the previous year, but when we won Open Cup, he was like, yo, I play in the league for 10 years and don't even, playing semi-final games, you know, like, recognize how, you know, blessed the workshops, the work that you put in to be able to, you know, do that. I'm like, all right, that's pretty dope. <laughs> but then, you know, like, after that, four weeks later, you're back in preseason for the next season, and, you know, the mentality is like, oh, yeah, got the championship, all right, let's do it again. It's like, well, damn, can we still get in a little bit more? Maybe then we, I remember that, that year we had a tough year that I ended up getting traded that next year, and um, yeah, that that was, it was good for me though. Uh, it was necessary. Yeah, what was that like getting traded? Were you like fit? Were you upset or no? No, nah, I wasn't upset. I felt like I felt it was coming. Most players will tell you whatever they get traded or something happens, they can feel it. Anytime I've gotten traded in my career, I felt it like before it happened. So it was actually an easier transition that most guys have to go through. A lot of guys have to do it in the middle of the season. They're staying in hotels. They're worrying about their stuff. Like mm-hmm. they're in their previous city, you know, I was sitting on my couch in the off season, like watching the Christmas story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, you seem like yeah. you're just a humble, chill guy, so I guess it doesn't really affect you if you, I guess you don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's at that point, I, I mean, now I'm definitely, I mean, it is, I mean, I'm just at peace, you yeah. know. I, I, I surrender to the, um, the waves of life and I, I just try as much as I can to be the duck, just kind of, you know, floating, going, going with it, you know. That's definitely uh, treated me the best out of all the, the approaches I've had to this life shit. Yeah. Ran, random question, but can MLS players uh, get, like, no trade clauses in their contracts? Yes. Oh, okay. You just got to ask. Uh, you just got to ask. <laughs> gotcha. You know, we're, MSL, man, like, <laughs> they've, they've kept us in the dark 
for a long time as players and yeah because I, I don't think i ever really heard of like uh, mls players like sign or like them putting it in the media saying like oh he got a no trade clause too with it like they do another yep, no, no. Uh, no, they don't want shit i mean <laughs> for whatever reason players don't really know about it but it is possible to get now will you get it that's another question yeah I don't. I don't think it's a high rate of players that have. And then, what, what was your time like in Philly? Philly was dope. Philly's a great city. Um, Philly's a very passionate city, so I was able to kind of connect with uh, the local community on a on a cool level. Mm-hmm. To where now, like anytime I go back, like it's all good. Plus, I got my nonprofit out there, and so I'll have roots. And literally roots in Philly, uh, I hope forever, honestly, you know, trying to have an impact on the local underserved community while developing ideas for community development, which I might go into after soccer. So Philly, again, you know, these things happen and I pride myself on the acceptance that I had when, you know, I moved to Philly and went through that change of environment. And it wasn't easy, you know, but I definitely can pat myself on the back and say that I, I approached every experience um, and situation with a, you know, open mind, you know, and I definitely feel like it led to the overall energetic equation that I got out there now. So, yeah. Yeah, can you tell me a little bit about your foundation, Sacred Seeds? Yeah, so um, Sacred Seeds is Philly-based nonprofit. Um, we focus on sustainable agriculture and how we can use that to nourish underserved communities, educate them on, um, you know, a conscious and healthy lifestyle and the benefits, and then also empower the communities, whether it's through community gardens or even having a space to hold events, you know, generate not only nutritious food in in these food deserts, but like you can also generate um, revenue and allow these communities to be self-sufficient. So it started started with me just trying to basically feed people who couldn't get like nutritious food, but it's really expanded and continues to expand and, I'm at peace knowing that just simply having roots in the, you know, in the community and having seeds in the soil and feeding the neighbors that it'll, it'll develop and flourish the way it's meant to, you know, so the pretty fulfilling experience connection. Yeah. Do you have a, like a long-term goal for it? Long-term goal would be uh, a, net zero high yield greenhouse in a food desert uh, that provided nutritious, healthy, organic food for those members, but also facilitated hands-on curricular experiences geared toward gardening and the therapeutic benefits of it, you know, while including merchants and keeping not only the food local, but even the money that's generated in those areas, you know? So, I've got a lot of work to do, but I love it. 
Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a a good thing to do. Like keep the keep the local businesses going, and you know get the local people in it, and then obviously the money goes local. So then hopefully everything grows from that in general. And then, uh, so, so I, yeah, I guess yeah, it was last year you got traded again. Um, so this is the second time you got traded. So was it different and were you less like, or you're more prepared? I should say. I was more prepared. I felt, again, I felt it coming. Like it was just something in the air and breeze. And this one, you know, it was the end of preseason again. Like I can't really complain. I'm fortunate it happened towards the end of preseason. Like, it wasn't a smack dab in the middle of the season. Uh, I was able to get to Chicago. I, I, I got like a whole weekend to go back to Philly and move my stuff and like put it, you know, it it didn't go smoothly by any means, but it could have been way uh, worse. And then what, what's your time been like at in Chicago so far? Yeah, so far it's been pretty fulfilling, I think, recognizing you know, coming to a new uh, space, a new team, and being able to have success alone is going to help people like you, you know? You can't deny that fact, but I do feel like people have connected with me on a more personal, resident frequency level, so it's just cool to feel welcome, you know, and feel... Uh, I guess you could say accepted, you know. Mm-hmm. That gives me the freedom to just be who I am. And I think for me being who I am, I'm going to uh, always promote and enhance the maximization of the potential of any situation. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I've seen on social media, you kind of been all over the place recently, and you were the, with the, I think, would Body Armor sign a deal with MLS, right? Yeah, and then I saw you met met Kobe. So what was that like? Yeah, I met Kobe, man. He's very, he's cool. He, um, you can tell he's at peace, man. Like, done playing. He's a goat. You know, he did his thing. He's a, uh, you know, I think he's like Bayama's top investor, and like life is good for him. Just feel it off there. And what do you think about the new Chicago Fire logo? Uh, I like. I mean, just an opportunity to start fresh and create a story and create a, a legacy in Chicago, I think, is what really entices me about it. Um, and, and I'm sure, you know, once we start winning, we'll be able to gather, you know, everybody else and, and have them on board as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's pretty dope. Uh, are you ready for these five Quincy questions? Yeah. <laughs> what's the what's the most important quality or skill that you feel has been your largest contribution to your success as a pro player? Um, willingness to face adversity, um, kind of just surrendering to the ups and downs of life, and just focusing on my response to situations and the positive attitude. What's the biggest mistake you think pro players are making today? Not being informed enough about what it takes to maximize their potential on and off the field. What advice would you give a young player either trying to 
make it to play college soccer or make it to a pro league? Take care of your body and try to train your mind as, as much as possible. What What is something that most people think is true that you believe isn't? Something that most people think is true that I believe isn't uh, the fact that a lot of people believe that we're the only species in the universe, the only humanoid sentient species in the universe. All right. Uh, what is something you would move forward with if you weren't scared of what the consequences were? Um, I'd say becoming more of a social media or like YouTube personality. All right, I like that. Well, congrats. You you uh, conquered the five Quincy questions. So you ready for some off-the-pitch fun questions? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who's uh, one player you want to exchange jerseys with? Actually, how about we go one MLS player and then one international soccer player? Okay. Um, one MLS player, I'll say Joseph Martinez and international. I'd say uh, Pogba. All right. What are your goals for uh, 2020? My goals are to reach double-digiting goals and reach the playoffs. What do you like to do in your downtime? Um, it, I would say read, read meditate. <laughs> you reading anything right now? Yes, the teachings of the Far East. I actually forgot the author. I just started. What's it about? About alternative um, healing modalities and, yeah, alternative healing modalities, things like Qigong and um, how energy and how they move throughout the meridians of the body can be enhanced, promoted, manipulated, stuff like that. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. And last one, if you weren't a soccer player, what do you think you'd be doing? I think I would be some type of motivational speaker or life coach. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And could you let the followers know where they could uh, follow you? Nice. Yeah. So, so Instagram, DJ Sapong, Twitter, Big Africa 88. I was my nonprofit, the Sacred Seed. On Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that. And, yeah. There we go. You worked out the body today. Now you worked out the mind. There we go. (laughs) Quincy Marroquois here, and thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with someone you feel will get some value from it. And if you could take a moment to leave a review of our podcast wherever you're listening and let us know who you'd like us to interview next, we'll get working on that right away. You can listen to this full episode and more at perfectsoccerskills.com slash radio. 
That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash R-A-D-I-O. You can also enter to win free weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash P-S-T-M to enter to win for free today.